Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining Ukrainian Spaces live event. Um, a quick reminder that uh, we're going live on Twitter Spaces, but this broadcast is automatically being recorded and then it will be released as a podcast a bit later on. And uh, Ukrainian Spaces, we love to start with a huge thanks to our Patreon sponsors because we're 100% independent in listeners supported. So all our broadcasts and all our podcasts are, you know, they all exist thanks to support of our Patreon family. Uh, if you're not part of our Patreon family yet, please consider joining us. Um, not only you support our mission of amplifying more diverse and more, it's just more Ukrainian voices, but also uh, decolonize some of Ukrainian conversations online. And as a Patreon, you will get lots and lots of uh, additional extra stuff. Uh, most importantly, and I think something that is most cherished by our Patreon sponsors is front row seat during our live broadcasts when you can ask your questions to our featured Ukrainians and Ukrainian allies in person or through us. But this is exclusive thing that we uh, love to offer our Patreon sponsors first. Valeria, привет. Hey, sorry, I'm a little bit late, um, but I'm here now. <laughs> How are you? I think to this morning I was uh, just thinking about how we all normalized our um, constant state of anxiety. And I thought about really my routine that in the last eight months became kind of standard. Before you go to shower in the morning or you get even your coffee, the first thing you do when you open your eyes, you check your phone to see a, you know what where the latest Russian strikes while you were sleeping. And then if any areas that were hit uh, where your loved ones or your friends or family members live, then you check on them if they are okay to survive through the night. And then <laughs> you spend additional time answering all the text messages from fellow Ukrainians who weren't able to sleep through the night due to, I don't know, error rates or an anxiety or whatnot. And only after that, you allow yourself to go and have your pre-standard for others morning routine. I think this is how it goes for all Ukrainians these days. I know that you actually, you wrote such a powerful thing on Twitter as well, explaining um, what, what lot of Ukrainians abroad also feel and their state but something that they don't like to talk about because of the guilt that we have not being in, back in Ukraine. Yeah, I was basically, I mean, Maxim, it's probably uh, that thread was caused by a conversation you and, and I had on, on Sunday just about, you know, feeling a certain way and feeling tired. And, and again, I know we've had many of these conversations about feeling guilty for even thinking or saying those things, but I just... You know, as a person, I've always shared my personal stories of, you know, going through things with mental health through, and, and you know, recently since the war, just sharing how I felt, what I did, you know, what I what I thought about what was happening. And so I thought that it would be important for me to share that because, you know, we, we do need to open up and talk about how we feel as well. And I know that Natalka is going to 
talk with us a little bit about it as well. But a lot of us for a very long time, Ukrainians who have been living abroad since we were small or, you know, since we were teenagers or even later, we've been feeling sometimes a little bit isolated because, you know, not to say that it's something special, but we have been feeling a little bit isolated in the fact that we just experience what's happening in Ukraine from a slightly different angle and it's not better or worse, it's just different. Um, and, you know, the responses that I got to that thread just showed me that a lot of people were feeling the same things and a lot of people were, and, and you know, people's friends were feeling the same things and it, it just once again helped me sort of understand that the isolation that we feel sometimes about our well-being is actually something that is constructed and, and something that, that you know, we probably construct to a degree ourselves in our minds. And so it was just really great to see so many people reply. And actually, our wonderful guest uh, who's with us today also replied. And and maybe we'll we'll get to that at some point as well. But it's an important conversation to be having. Yeah, I, I, I feel like it's incredibly connected to our uh, guest today and the topic in general. I think I meet uh, genocide. Um, it's extra important to remind us that ourselves that our strength in our numbers as well. There are 40 million people uh, that uh, who used to live inside Ukraine and around, I think, approximately 20 million abroad. This uh, balance is a bit different now due to millions of refugees. But I think we all, I know, we all need it at the finish line in our best state possible. That's why it's important to talk about these things. And that's important to try to take care of ourselves regardless of circumstances and find us uh, support in, in each other during these days. Um, yeah, I think it's perfect bridge to introduce our featured Ukrainian for today. Um, With our golden rule of our Ukrainian introducing themselves. So, Natalka, please... Go ahead and and tell everyone who doesn't know you yet um, a little bit about yourself. Hi, hi Val Valeria, hi Maxim, um, and hi everyone. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, honestly, just listening to this introduction reminds me how much I love this space and I love this podcast. So huge honor to be here. Um, my name is Natalia or Natalka or Nat, take your pick. Um, I use they, them pronouns, and I'm a Ukrainian immigrant living in Canada. Um, I'm in Toronto. And I guess by way of intro, um, I like to think of myself as an artist, an activist, as a storyteller. Those are the types of identities that I try to nurture within myself. Um, I'm also queer. I nurture that identity within myself as well. Um, and, you know, as my as my day job, I work in finance and analytics, which um, is something that obviously I focus on. But as a lot of Ukrainians can relate, our day jobs have become kind of difficult in the in the last year in particular. Um, but those are the types of things that um, that I spend my time on. In terms of, you know, why I'm here and why I'm excited to be here, um, I feel like over the last year, like, my my Ukrainian identity has evolved so much. Um, you know, like, I, I was thinking about my Ukrainian identity throughout my life, and 
even though it doesn't feel like a particularly like spectacular story to me or anything super special, I think I started realizing how common um, this perspective is where, you know, in the diaspora where I moved, I was born in Kiev, I grew up in Kiev, and then I moved as when I was a kid. Um, and when, when I grew up in Kiev in the 90s, like Ukrainian identity was just kind of like, I don't know, not something I focused on growing up. It was, it was just kind of there, wasn't really something that, um, I was claiming specifically. Um, like maybe my, my grandparents really, you know, held on to some, some culture and traditions and some specific ways. And obviously in my family, we would do like, you know, like a Christmas dinner and, and things like that. So there were, there was, there were some traditions, but just not really something I thought about. And then immigrating is obviously like, a big a big event in somebody's life and all of a sudden you're trying to fit into a different culture so you know it was like for me it was like put a pin in being ukrainian try to try to fit into um the canadian community make a life here um re-navigate who i am here um and as i was doing that like i was very aware of a lot of diaspora um ukrainian communities in in canada in the u.s um i know some listeners here like um, have have experience being in those communities. But that wasn't really something that I found myself um, resonating with or able to integrate into as an immigrant. Um, like, I realized how incredibly vibrant and independent, like, Ukrainian diaspora communities are worldwide. Um, and it was hard for me to just kind of go in and, and jump into it. Like I went to a middle school that was partially Ukrainian. Lots of kids went to Sunday school and did Ukrainian dancing and, and things like that. But that wasn't really part of my story. That's not how I grew up in Kiev. That's not how I was really, um, you know, able to build community here. So there was definitely this sense of sort of being a little bit isolated and a little bit of an outsider for a long time. Now, in the last few years, um, as I'm like navigating my identity and trying to figure out what being Ukrainian means to me, I did feel like I started kind of coming back a little bit to what our history is, um, what being Ukrainian means to me in terms of generational, you know, knowledge and trauma and resilience. Um, and, you know, learning more about um, symbolism and folklore and things like that. And that's been such a joyful experience. Like it really felt right. Um, I feel like I, I hit onto something that really resonated with me and I was just so happy to do. And obviously then this year happened and that process got disrupted. It got accelerated. It changed in nature. And I think this is the case for so many people, um, so many Ukrainians who are abroad. So for me right now where I am is I'm continuing to reclaim my Ukrainian identity and really define what it means for me, um, both internally through trying to figure out how I relate to our history and, you know, what generational knowledge has been passed on to me um, through being a Ukrainian, but also through community. Um, and, you know, this is like a big, a big part of it, knowing, um, knowing you two, knowing some of the listeners here and trying to integrate in a way that resonates with me, but also in a way where I feel like I can contribute. I think um, most of the activities and uh, most of the um, things you mentioned, and also I cannot not mention, and I want even to have a quote from 
um, beautiful work in writing that you did that is called Queer Joy Ukrainian Liberation, which is, you know, started as a as a series of Instagram posts, kind of essays, beautifully written essays, and ended up being an actual paper zine that I uh, hold in I'm uh, I hold in my hands now. And I think lots of things that you describe about reconnecting with your Ukrainian identity, reconnecting with your community, you know, working hard for the Ukraine's victory, educating the rest of the people, those are all processes, processes that you can um, unite under the umbrella of resistance in a way that, you know, when you mentioned our diaspora, which is huge, but we should be also honest that it's been very hard for many Ukrainians who live and used to live and you know grew up in Ukraine to connect with diaspora that um, maybe you know some people didn't even uh, born got born in Ukraine because of different ways we would use to look at what being Ukrainian means and unfortunately of course it took a genocide but for us to start connecting and appreciating you know probably some of the knowledge that was erased during the russian colonial rule here in ukraine was preserved in some ways uh in our diaspora communities and vice versa in this process of us reconnecting relearning enriching ourselves through this process of what it means to be ukrainian is part of resistance as well and it wouldn't happen um if not these unfortunate circumstances yeah absolutely um i'm so glad you bring up like the connection between diaspora ukrainians and ukrainians who you know remain in the country or have until until recently um like as i reflect on you know this year and how we've come together like i think the best the best metaphor that I can think of in terms of the global Ukrainian community, it's really like kind of like a chain link fence where everybody occupies like a different, a different spot in the fence where some people are maybe just like a bit more, more central, obviously to Ukraine and perhaps are still living there. And then, you know, one, one level out, maybe you have people who have um, like direct family members there, like parents there or spouses there or siblings and then one level out, maybe like you're not super close to anybody who remains, but your loved ones have people who remain. And then like one level out, you know, you can kind of keep going all the way out to like Ukrainian allies who I think, I think to the people around me who are not Ukrainian, but who are taking care of me and, you know, supporting the war effort that way. Um, and I think like diaspora could be described that way too. It's just like, it's such like a... Um, yeah, like a resilience mechanism for for lack of a for lack of a better term. It's you know when when things kind of go go really wrong as they have this year in in ways that they never should have. We have like this global um, fabric of people who can kind of pitch in and hold everybody kind of together um, in order to make sure that like the fabric of um, our culture and, and our existence kind of moves forward. Um, Diaspora is so powerful. I'm I'm definitely noticing that this year too. And this is such a Ukrainian thing. Also, I would never thought about it before, and I didn't appreciate that we instinctively try to lift each other up uh, during yeah. these moments. So, you know, when things are super fine, and uh, you know we argue nonstop, and there are so many issues, and you know, like this again, saying that 
if you leave two uh, Ukrainians in one room in like 10 minutes, there are going to be three political parties. Mm-hmm. But but <laughs> when things go really wrong, I I don't I I literally received so much support and care and love from absolutely random people, random Ukrainians I've never knew before, just because just this is because this is something instinctively you're um, uh, called to do um, to provide that comfort. Basically, we're all in one therapy room. Uh, these days, talking to each other as much as possible, because this is a way to cope. Yeah, yeah, the solidarity is really like unprecedented and the biggest comfort. It honestly also gives me just a lot of faith in um, like social justice, social progress, um, acceptance in general, seeing Ukrainians come together the way that we have in the last year. Yeah, and also like, I think, for those of you who don't know Natalka's work on online and 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 um, in general, I think like you were one of the first people who who you know immediately I came across across on on my social media accounts and just in general you were so supportive and and so amazing in sharing information with your own audiences and with your own sort of communities and and I really appreciate that and I have appreciated that since since you know all of this started happening to us but i wanted to ask you something and this is a question i'll i'll be honest that titana came up with <laughs> for those of you who don't know titana is helping us with audience engagement and and joined the team a couple of months ago but what do you consider your superpower as a ukrainian activist what do you think is the strongest kind of skill and yeah i guess superpowers as titana said um for yourself in this context what a good question. Um, thank you, Tatiana. Um, if y'all are not following Tatiana, you you have to. Um, she's wonderful. Such a strong voice and honestly, like a source of strength for me. You're so positive and wonderful. Anyways, okay, on to the question. That was me buying myself time um, as I figure out how to answer that. I think, I think if I had to name one superpower for myself, and this is something I'm really trying to leverage because it's something that feels good for me. And I think it's something that um like resonates with people so when I do it I think you know I'm like okay I'm actually getting something done I'm not just burning myself out for nothing but um I I think I'm a good storyteller like one thing that I try to do and I think a lot of us try to do at the start of the fallout invasion is like find every piece of information and try to share it and amplify it in terms of news developments in terms of um anecdotes um in terms of accounts to follow, like there was just so much information coming out on social media and we're all trying to just, you know, get on top of it and share it. And then we're also trying to like witness everything. Like it was terrifying to sleep, right? Like we're trying to stay on top of things or always being vigilant. And frankly, that wasn't sustainable for me. I think it wasn't sustainable for a lot of people. What I really had to do at one point is say, okay, what am I good at? Like there are some people who are very good at knowing what's you know what's the latest thing that's happening and communicating it to people and like maybe they have the the social media following that makes that really worthwhile and drives results like for me that was not the case I was simply burning out I felt like I was spinning my wheels and not getting anything quote-unquote done um very productively but I think where I thrive is when I see patterns in some things that are happening and I can like put together like I don't know a Twitter thread or an Instagram post um again, in the communities that I have access to that are 
um, primarily North American, um, somewhat diaspora, but somewhat allies. Um, and I can communicate um, either at trend or some developments in, in a way that produces like a call to action um, and really communicates what Ukrainians are going through. Um, so like one example that kind of came up the other day for me for this, maybe this was like a few weeks ago, I was just browsing this antique bookstore in Toronto and I came across um, this old travel guide that was written in English for, um, it was like a Russian travel guide. And this was from, I think, 1919. Um, so as soon as I saw this, I'm like, I know exactly what's going to be in this. Like, it's going to be colonized AF. <laughs> um, it's going to list all the Ukrainian cities that I know and love as Russian. Um, and it's just not going to be good. So I kind of leave through it. And sure enough, that is the case. Um, but you know what? I bought the book. It kind of went on my literature shelf of uh, Ukrainian history and liberation, because I, I think that's part of the story. Um, how in 1919, English language guides were, you know, talking about Kiev as a city in the Russian Empire. Um, so like, Anyway, like to, to kind of bring this back to the question, I, I found that. And then I was thinking about how that was around the time when, you know, Elon Musk had some just really bad takes, um, as always, on, um, you know, quote unquote, peace deals and peace talks. And putting a thread together that kind of connected like this historical colonialism and injustice to outcomes that happen today and helping people understand where some of those things come from. Um, I feel good about because I feel like I can make those connections and communicate them effectively. And at the same time, I think it helps people think a little bit more critically and gain empathy towards, you know, individuals who are suffering for cases that are completely avoidable and really ridiculous. I think your work um, is very important um, as well because it helps to regain us uh, as Ukrainians a bit of our own storytelling because part of the colonialism is to erase our story and what is being Ukrainian if not to have a very powerful story to tell and a lot of Ukrainians these days are struggled to tell that story because of those massive gaps that we have due to colonialism and colonial erasure about our history about the history of our own even families that we don't know much about because our um, grandparents who managed to survive through genocides and, and uh, mass uh, oppression, they fear to talk about a lot of things that would position them or manifest them as Ukrainians. And yeah. But you go even further and in your manifesto, I think everybody should check and learn more. One of the most radical ideas, but that also felt to me so, so um, known and I felt at home with it is when you connect your queerness and your Ukrainianness. And um, I want to quote, um, it's from chapter three from the um, manifesto. It's, uh, it's devoted to Lesa Ukrainka, uh, a name that we dropped so often these days on Ukrainian spaces and also lots of Ukrainians, especially Ukrainian, uh, queer Ukrainians, um, these days talk about, uh, uh, talk about her. 
And you write that lesser Ukrainka queerness was edited out of history. I only found out she was also likely a queer Ukrainian when I became myself a queer Ukrainian. A queer Ukrainian is an empowered Ukrainian. I'm not sure what I mean by empowered here. I think I recognize fierceness in her as a polyglot, an empath, a poet, a storyteller, a fighter, intellectual, an activist. Maybe there is power to me in that kind of expansiveness. That expansiveness, as any queer person knows, is intrinsically queer. I feel called to follow in her legacy. When I read that, I was, you know, I was completely blown away because that's where I found the strength to also express uh, the thing that I thought very often why I'm drawn to my Ukrainianness and why I understand it maybe a bit even deeper as a queer person because there are so many things that connect my queerness and Ukrainianness. But what, what was it? What exactly it was for you? that made you realize this and came to this aha moment of connecting both and why you feel like you can connect to your Ukrainianness better because you're a queer person too. Yeah, thank you for that question. Um, I know this is something like, you know, you spoke about before, so I was excited to have this conversation, like coming out as queer, coming out as Ukrainian, like those two things feel related. Um, I guess like what I kind of want to just start with is like talk about queerness for a second. And like when when I talk about queerness, um, I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but there's this great quote by Bell Hooks um, where she says that queerness is, you know, not about like who you sleep with, like whatever that could be a part of it. But queerness is about being at odds with, you know, the world as is and having to create your own reality um, to, to navigate this world. Um, that's how I experience queerness. It's very, you know, it's two things. It's very community-based. Like, my queer community really gets me through everything. Um, they're my safe space. They will also challenge me if I need to be challenged. They make me a better person. But there's so much overlap in, um, with, with that and being Ukrainian, you know? We're also very communal. We hold each other up to a high standard. Um, and there is also in both of those identities a lot of like digging inwards and having to discover something about yourself because it wasn't given to you um like a lot of queer people don't have queer elders um you know for a lot of queer people like i think there's like this um this conception that like oh you you've always known you've you've known since you were a kid right like i'm non-binary and like a lot of people will say like oh so you always knew you weren't you know a boy or a girl and i'm like honestly no i didn't i i had no idea i didn't have that language um if i had that language might i have you know come out to myself as non-binary earlier than you know at the age of 29 i'm not sure maybe but at the age of 29 i started digging and i was like oh this is a big part of me and it makes me who i am um i think being ukrainian can really tie into that right like we we have so much of our history erased um there's a lot of belittling that happens of our culture our language um there's a lot of erasure of you know just straight up history there's erasure of our family history 
And at a certain point, I think a lot of Ukrainians kind of just sit up and say, wait, I need to dig into this more. I need to find out what um, being Ukrainian means for our people, our culture, but also for me specifically. So there, there's a lot of like introspection, I think, in both of those identities that is coming up for me right now. And I think um, for other people as well. I think what really made me um, make the connection between the two and start writing this is just like Pride Month this month. Um, in in June, I, you know, I took a trip because I needed <laughs> to do something for my mental health. I took a solo trip and um, I just spent a lot of time with myself, you know, thinking and reflecting. Pride Month is always a time for reflection about being queer. Um, this year is... <laughs> you know, a consistent time of reflecting about being Ukrainian. And I just saw a lot of overlaps. And to me, it makes the most sense that these identities coexist and reinforce each other for myself. Yeah, I remember when I shared uh, your writing and um, uh, and also my thoughts on why there are so many overlaps between my queerness and Ukrainianness, and how, you know, how being brought being brought up in constant shame about both of those identities, and of yeah. now make me appreciate them more. Uh, and the this is the source of the resilience why you keep trying to reclaim it no matter what. And when I started sharing it online, and of course, we cannot ignore these days more than probably ever, this is not a representative group, but it's still a very loud group of a Western, mm, I wouldn't call them, you know, leftists, but there's a certain very cruel group that um, denies Ukrainian genocide, makes fun of Ukrainians, you know, trying to tor torpedo any solidarity with Ukraine because of their ideological immature games, but that group came really hard um, online, ridiculing this idea because, you know, for them, it kind of torpedoes their own idea that they get to claim progressiveness because they're queer in the West and nobody has the right to do the same. But when you connect those experiences with something that they try to torpedo and, you know, try to uh, badmouth, in that case, Ukraine and Ukrainians, this is kind of, you know, makes their, the whole argument really silly. And, uh, but I think that we should keep talking about it exactly because of the same thing, because many people can develop more empathy towards Ukrainians understanding this uh, idea, how your entire identity could be erased or how you can be in shame for who you are. And this is, uh, 100% the experience that many Ukrainians lived through and keep living, unfortunately, to this day as, as genocide is developing. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with all of that. Yeah, we wanted to, as always, bring in Tatiana, um, who has gathered some questions, some comments, both from our Patreon and also from people who have been listening today to the amazing conversation we've been having um, with you, Natalka. So, Tatiana... Hi, Natalka. Hi. Good to chat with I you. I know, finally. I know, we keep kind of messaging each other, but we've never really kind of heard each other speak. 
Um, yeah. Okay. So we have some uh, comments. Lots of people are engaged with this episode. It's been absolutely brilliant hearing you talk. Some comments saying uh, it's a very interesting podcast. As a Ukrainian, I'm learning a lot of I'm learning a lot about active Ukrainians, their history, thoughts, feelings during genocide resistance. I think you've kind of highlighted a lot of that in a lovely way. Um, you know, sharing a lot of your personal story uh, for this. That's from uh, Mikhailo from Germany, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, Mikhailo from Germany. Thank you. Um, there's also from Maricasta from France saying it's an excellent podcast that brings together people from all over, around the world, from Tokyo to South Sudan, and of course in Ukraine. Um, very helpful um, to understand Ukraine's struggle against Russian colonialism, or even if you're a Ukrainian yourself, which is interesting because I think you highlighted that, um, you know, you're kind of unpacking who you are and kind of reiterating what being Ukrainian means to you and, um, you know, how your activism manifests itself. Um, and also Fern uh, R. from the United States saying, I love, I love this uh, podcast for providing a perspective on the Ukrainian genocide committed by Russia. Um, it's great to learn from the source, so to speak. But I, I, I actually loved it as well, uh, if I can pick up yeah, here. Yeah. Uh, so the person says that, they're American, and the way they understand this Russian-speaking Ukrainian thing is that, you know, uh, Fern says, I don't understand why other people have a hard time with this concept. I'm American, I have American values, and I'm immersed in American culture, and yet I speak English. I don't identify as British. I've only been to London one time, but no one there thought that I should be British simply because I speak their language. I think this is um, a brilliant way for other foreigners to understand uh, the whole thing with the uh, Russian language in Ukraine as well. Thanks, okay. Maxim. Um, yeah. Sorry, I kind of fumbled with that one, but thank you for kind of no bringing it back. <laughs> um, oh, the I have two um, comments actually from uh, this live session saying, um, love your spaces. Surprised there aren't more listeners. Well, you know, that's from Nick. And actually, thank you for saying that. But we're getting so many more listeners and people are joining our Patreon. Um, so it's all good. I think, you know, everybody's kind of trying to lean in and find us. And we're really grateful for that. Um, uh, Anindita says, I send my love and hug to Ukrainians. This is a very difficult time for you. I pray to God to give you strength in the difficult time. And I hope the darkness will end soon. And then somebody replied to Anandita from Italy saying, Mi unisco a questa preghiera, um, which is, I also, um, I also agree with that prayer. Uh, so thank you. And then um, I think there's another comment. I, uh, Maxim, do you, should I mention it or do you want to leave it? Because it's a bit of a heavier question. It's from uh, Nikita. Um, and uh, they ask, are you... You know, to, to all overseas Ukrainians, not necessarily just to Natalka, to probably all of us. Um, are you afraid of coming back one day and finding yourself distant from Ukrainians who lived through the war being in Ukraine? Can such drastic disparity in experiences lived through uh, serve as a barrier or divide of sort? Um, I think maybe if Natalka wants to. Yeah. Also answer. I can. I, I can think... definitely say this is my major anxiety. Of course, yeah. every day. Um, that's definitely it. 
Yeah, I think it's such a good question. And um, like the thing that comes to mind for me, similar to uh, to like, you know, what, what you say, Maxim, like that's not really my concern for sure. Um, I mean, is there a scenario where, you know, I come back, let's say like when when the victory is ours and I want to go help and I come back and I just simply don't understand what the people there went through? Like, yeah, absolutely. And you know, part of my process in the last little while has been reckoning with the fact that as an overseas Ukrainian, as a Ukrainian who moved when they were a child, um, as an English-speaking Ukrainian who's pretty privileged in the place that I'm living, um, yeah, my experience is different. Um, there is a lot, and you know, other Ukrainians have talked about this, who are abroad and honestly who aren't even abroad. Like every Ukrainian has talked about this. Um, there's a lot of guilt that has been coming up for us in various ways over the past year. And everybody has their version of guilt, right? Like my version of guilt is that I, you know, have lived away from Ukraine um, for a long time. And even though I am, you know, seeing, let's say, like the city where I grew up be destroyed in, in some ways, like my city's not being destroyed as much as some other cities, or I don't have a lot of very close, like peers, friends there. Like I have family there, but a lot of my friends aren't there. Like you can always come up with, you know, things to feel kind of guilty about, like, oh, my trauma is not as valid as the other person's trauma. Um, but the thing is that, like, I think the more healthy way to engage with that and our, you know, quote unquote, distance from from the people who are in the thick of it is to also understand that maybe that's coming from a place where we realize that we're a bit more resourced in some way. So, you know, I think about it and I'm like, how how am I resourced in, in a way that makes me kind of like lucky to be where I am, but also like lets me get some more work done in ways that would be a lot more challenging to somebody who's undergoing like a different kind of trauma on a daily basis, you know, like... I have electricity access <laughs> throughout the day, which, you know, and I have running water all day, um, which is not something that a lot of Ukrainians can say, like, you know, in these recent days, for example, um, yeah. or I have yeah. access to, you know, a job that's like pretty understanding of everything that's going on. So I can take the resources that I get from that job, or I can take the fact that I am in, in this space with a lot of Westerners, and I can like spread um, a lot of like understanding and awareness. And I kind of think about that when I think about like coming back together um, with other Ukrainians who, let's say, lived through the war on location. It's like, yes, my experience will absolutely be different. I'm not... Um, I'm not really like going to deny that. But I'm also not really going to feel bad about it. Um, or feel guilty about it. I mean, you know, I say this aspirationally, like, of course I will, but I'm going to work through those feelings. Um, instead, I think it's just going to be about coming coming back together as like a really diverse group who have survived this in like very different ways. Yeah. And exactly as you said, I think, like, understanding that like we're not comparing ourselves to each other, like we're all going through this in very different ways. And it's just important to remember that I think for everyone but I wanted to also ask you and maybe this is um, one for for others as well who who have been struggling with you know seeing kind of the hopeful side of of you know or being hopeful in general at the moment um, I, I was just wondering what what has been something and it can be I don't know it can be anything but what has been something that has given you hope in you know some of the darkest times over the past couple of months about 
Ukraine essentially and and your you know Ukrainian future mm, yeah that's a really good question and I'm gonna answer it like very very honestly um a lot of the time I don't have a lot of hope like I'm not doing well in terms of mental health I am struggling to get my day-to-day work done um every day I wake up and I'm like okay what do I have to do for this day to just be over Um, And I think it's really important to say that because I think a lot of us are feeling that way. Um, There's definitely a lot of like, you know, I'm not saying this about Ukrainians, but in general, there's a lot of like positivity culture and, and, you know, the wellness and mental wellness community where it's like, think positive, like, don't worry about it. It'll be fine. But toxic positivity. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. Toxic positivity, spiritual bypassing, all of that. We really need to like admit when we're not doing well. And for a lot of us, we're not doing well. But I think at the same time, like, you know, like we can all sit here and be like, yeah, we're not doing well, but we're also getting things done. Um, Like we're having this conversation today. Um, We are doing, you know, the types of activism that's accessible to us. We're finding our roles in the fight and time passes. I think the thing that does give me hope that something this is something that my therapist said once um you know she's fantastic and she said um there is gonna be a point in time when the war will be over and as simple as that is it was like really groundbreaking for me because when we were having that conversation even though i i knew that factually i didn't believe that in my gut So her point in saying that was there will be a time when this will be over and we're going to have to clean up the messes and we're going to have to do a lot of healing and like rebuilding as a society. Um, And that's going to be a lot of work and it's going to be hard, but it's going to be here, you know. And for me, that's kind of something to look forward to in terms of like the really messy, challenging task of rebuilding um, and knowing that like, I need to be there for that. I think that kind of what gives what gives me hope a little bit is like, okay, let's do what we need to right now. Let's support in whatever way we need to right now. But there's going to be a time when this is going to be over and we're still going to have to be doing the work. Thank you. I mean, for the person who is struggling, you sound so much full of resistance and strength. And so much of it that when I listen to you, it it just fills me up with even more strength to carry on. So thank you so much for today, for every day. Uh, and every day you find uh, time and energy to resist and to help Ukraine and to help all of us to survive through this uh, genocide. And if you allow me, I want to wrap up today's uh, uh, broadcast with a quote of yours. It's actually a love letter to Ukrainians that you wrote. Um, and it goes like this. I want you to take up the space to do what feels good in your soul. I do not have a single request for you. If you are dissociating into comfort, please do. If you are organizing, please do. If you're fighting in every way you know how, thank you. Please do. So many of us can only get through this by fighting and transmuting this rage into action. Please rest, then keep on transmuting in a way that makes you feel closer to whole. 
We need a critical mass of us to continue fighting, transmuting, resting. The cycle is our religion. And when you need a break or when you go through a time when you can only scrape by uh, from day to day, exhausted and not able to fight, or if it's just, just unjust work caught you at a time of personal struggle that you cannot put down and you're simply staying afloat the best you can remember. At a time when we're being broken, any way you can facilitate wholeness for yourself is good and holy, and it is resistance. And there is no place for guilt in holy resistance. I need you to survive this, and I don't mean just physically. I need us to thrive beyond this time, culturally, spiritually, and individually. I need your joy to preserve. One day soon, I want to meet you in Kiev in the fall. We will drink, take away coffees, and collect fallen chestnuts at sunset. That will be good enough. Thank, Thank you, Maxim, for highlighting that. I mean every word of it. And, you know, I think it's important to, like, in a way, I, I wrote that for an audience. But, like, I needed to hear that myself, too, right? So when you say something like, you know, for somebody who's not doing well, I, I sound, like, you know, super motivated and stuff like that. You know, same to you. Um, I get a lot of strength from this community. I think that's our that's our secret weapon. We need to we need to show up together in whatever way we find ourselves in and, and keep on resisting because that's that's how we get through this. Thank you so much yeah, cool. for being with us here today and sharing all of this. It's been amazing to have you, our longtime supporter as well of Ukrainian spaces with us today to to talk about your story as well because it's so important for us to bring more, you know, people like you who have been with us from the beginning and who have been helping Ukraine from the beginning as well online and, and everywhere. And who, like, I guess most of us here that are Ukrainian have rediscovered what it means to be Ukrainian all over again um, since the 24th of February. So thank you so much. Um, and we really appreciate you being here with us. Really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you both. Dakuyu, uh, also to our Patreon sponsors, this thing is possible thanks to your generous support. We need more of it to grow, to be better, to have opportunity and sources to amplify more Ukrainian badass voices um, and do it as often as possible. And also thank you for just regular listeners. Um, this uh, this is important for us, for you to uh, also amplify Ukrainian spaces using, using hashtag on social media. But also, if you're listening it as a podcast, please uh, do rate us and leave comments. This really helps to um, drive us uh, up to the uh, top podcast ratings. And uh, this is important and won't take a second of your time, but it will help our project and our mission to grow. This is all, apart from one thing, is Slava Ukraini. And see you next time. Love you guys. Bye.